This and later with Mo Kelly, KFI AM six forty. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And let me just say, I did way too much this weekend. You ever have a weekend where you realize you just did way too much, and then by the time you make it to Monday, your ass is dragging coming into the office because you did way too much. Granted, I did not do the show Friday evening. Pork reporter Neil Savager was in for me. I was emceeing an event out in Rosemead for the Latin Business Association. And that ran for most of the evening. And when I got back in the car after doing my thing, I was listening to Later with Mo Kelly, hosted by Neil Savager. And I tuned in and I realized that he was threatening to slap old ladies. I didn't understand that. How, how, you know, I leave the shop and all of a sudden everything goes to hell. And you have Neil Savedra threatening to slap the crap out of old ladies. I didn't know what was going on. But I said, it's not my problem. I'll deal with it some other day. You know, so if KFI were to get sued, it wasn't going to be my fault. It would have been Neil threatening to slap people. Why Tawala didn't jump in? I don't know. But this, but the uh, the Friday night movie contest seemed to be a, a rousing success. People enjoyed themselves. Not a lot of people won because Neil was gatekeeping the whole show. So but, but everyone had, seemed to have a good time. But that was my Friday night. Then Saturday, I got up at 6 in the morning because my martial arts studio is a part of a larger federation. So they had this Zoom conference meeting at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Okay? So that already put me behind the eight ball as far as being sleepy. I only had maybe four hours of sleep. Then that meeting, Zoom meeting, went from 6 until about 8 o'clock. Then I eventually took a shower and put on my dobook uniform stuff, got right to the dojong, which is a, a Hapkido studio, so I could teach classes from 9 a.m. until noon. Still haven't done too much. I'm almost there. And then from 12 o'clock until 4 o'clock, I was at Aviation Gymnasium, which is in Redondo Beach, as I was helping train new sports officials for the different Wreck and Park Leagues, Gardena, Redondo Beach, and also Carson. They're taking out the young officials. They had these scrimmage games, and we were running up and down the court. And if you saw someone at Aviation Gymnasium on Saturday look like me, yes, that was me yelling at the officials when I should have been yelling because I needed to protect my voice. But again, I was doing too damn much. So from 6 a.m. to about 6 p.m., I was doing a lot. And then I realized, oh, my goodness, I forgot. I'm going out to dinner with my wife and friends from college. So we went to Bloodsoe's in, in Hollywood from 7 o'clock to about 11 o'clock. So my day on Saturday, not that you care, I'm just letting you know, there's a point to all this. From 6 a.m. to about midnight, I did not stop. And then on Sunday, I, I forgot, I promised a friend I was going to go to their gospel Christmas concert. And, you know, Sunday night? Yeah, Sunday night. And that went from like 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock. And then I realized when I woke up this morning, like my mother used to tell me, you were doing too much. I did way too damn much. And I felt like I didn't have a weekend. But I'm so glad to be back here with you. I'm so glad to see Mark Ronner, who's back in the saddle. Mark, my friend. Ooh. Mo. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Yay. Yay. I have risen from my sickbed. I had to get back here and liven up this snooze fest. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever you need to tell yourself. When you were gone, did you get to take in any good movies? Uh, I got to tell you, when you have uh, COVID, it's kind of like having kryptonite by way of malaria, and you're really not in the mood to watch or or read anything. I was just kind of in and out of consciousness for about 10 days. Oh, so you got it bad. Uh, I did. It really whacked me good. But um, I did see a show that 
I tuned in one night at the very end of your uh, broadcast. I saw a show you were talking about called um, Obliterated. Obliterated. Boy, do we perceive that one differently. <laughs> I enjoyed it. You had eye candy. It, you can't take it seriously. You had lots of action. It was fine. Yeah, to say the least, you can't take it seriously. I uh, I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but I hated myself for watching that. I was too, That's the I whole was, point. I was too weak to change the channel. It, but <laughs> You may have been, but you kept watching. She's kind of cute, isn't she? Who? Shelly Hennig, the star who we had on. Oh, yeah, she's fine, yeah. Um, but the show was one of the worst, dumbest things I've ever oh, seen. Oh, get out of yeah, here. Awful, awful. Get out of here. C. Thomas Howell was pretty funny. That's, wasn't he? Yeah. He was hilarious. Yeah. But look, if C. Thomas Howell is there, full, oh, full frontal nudity, d diffusing bombs. No, I'm, I'm looking, Keanu, I'm serious. A lot of nudity. <laughs> lot, a lot of nudity. A lot of dong. <laughs> Can Lord we say have, that? Lord have Well, fun. we can say, if Tim Conway Jr. can say ding dong. In that context. Yeah, yeah. In that context. Yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah. Lot, minus the ding. Lots. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it's completely over the top. It's not meant to be taken seriously. There's a lot of action. I enjoyed it for what it is. It's not. For what it is. I'll, yeah, it, I'll tell you what it is. It's a steamer. No, 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 no. If you're looking for something like John Wick. Or or the born identity or the expendables. It's it's none of those things. Well, most definitely not. I kept on hoping that it would be satirizing the kind of thing that it was doing, but no, it was just that kind of thing. It was uh, unbelievably stupid. Ah, uh, I liked it. I liked it. I, I, did. Well, I have no problem like saying I, I don't. Liked it. Uh, I don't. And we rarely agree on anything, so we're back to normal. Thank God for that. Except for Godzilla minus one. That was fantastic. Oh, I'm glad you like that. I. Now I don't feel so... You know, when I do those reviews, I don't read anything before I come on here and stick my neck out. And mm -hmm. so uh, you never know what's going to happen and how it's going to play out. You just have to trust your own judgment. I, I'm glad the consensus is that it's it's a minor masterpiece. I think that's the consensus. I mean, across the board, Japanese media, American media, of fans of Godzilla, and to juxtapose that with this coming American Godzilla times kong movie it really makes godzilla minus one even that much more spectacular in comparison yeah and we can also you know we're in an industry town we can learn a lot from that that movie which is cleaning house right now at the box office cost 15 million dollars to make that's like the money for craft services for a week on your average hollywood blockbuster i was talking to twall i said imagine if they did that exact same movie but put 70 to 100 million into it not the 200 million dollar budgets that we're all accustomed to just 70 to 100 million but you don't need that i you think didn't. it shows us you know how much people are getting fleeced and how much money is wasted on your average hollywood film don't you think oh 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 absolutely but but to their credit the storytelling was superior in nature it really was. And when I said it was the best one since the original serious Godzilla in 1954, before they added Raymond Burr, uh, I, I was serious. And they focused really on the human stuff that we haven't seen a lot, especially from the point of view of people just in devastated Japan after the war. But they also, the human component to it advanced the story. It did not get in the way of the story. It didn't seem superfluous to the story. It didn't seem like it was just for the sake of having people in it. Like they have in these in this present iteration of Godzilla, you can't have. And I was telling this to Twal as well. You can't have this thundering monstrosity leveling cities 
and then you throw in jokes along the way. Oh, no, it made uh, the Godzilla scenes count far more when they finally happened. And on the same subject, I caught up on the fifth and latest episode of uh, Monarch, I Legacy of it. Monsters. I still love it. It was so terrible, it almost caused me to drop the show. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth episode, nothing happens, a bunch of people whine and do stupid stuff. Unbelievably bad, crappy storytelling. Terrible. <laughs> It's good to see that you're feeling better. I missed you so much. I love you, too. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly On Demand from KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640. It's Later with Mo Kelly live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And Neil Savager is listening to the show right now. He just texted me. He said, Mo, don't take me out of context exclamation point look you said you're going to slap an old lady i don't know what is the correct context you said you weren't going to drag anyone across the finish line i heard it myself there's even a podcast with your voice saying you're going to slap an old lady if she didn't get like a movie title correct what do you mean out of context Tawala was there he heard you but she deserved a slapping though Steph stefan was there he heard you it's not just yes, you. sir goodness Take responsibility for what you said, young man, or old man, because you're older than me. But anyhow, that's Neil Saavedra. Uh, something that I found intriguing, ever since we had the census, and if you know anything about the census, it's every 10 years. It doesn't just give you raw data as far as population. And also, if you look at the numbers, it can give you some insight on a national and also local level as far as population shifts. Doesn't necessarily give you all the reasons behind the shifts, but it will give you some sense of the trajectory and population movements and evolutions and migrations, things of that nature. And in terms of just like L.A. County and Orange County, I don't want to go too far out, but just L.A. and Orange County. In terms of overall populations, L.A. County and Orange County both shrunk by nearly 3% and 1% respectively. So if anything, I'm happy because I like it when there are fewer people in Los Angeles County. Now, if people are leaving because they don't like Los Angeles County, because they have a feeling about the gas prices, or they don't like the crime, or they don't like, um, I don't know, the trash, if they don't like the politics, that's okay with me. Because it means my commute will be better. I'm okay with fewer people living in Los Angeles County. Now, uh, LA County is down 3%. I said Orange County is down 1%. And during this time, LA County's um, foreign-born population fell by about 220,000. So the idea that there are more migrants or um, non-Americans moving specifically into LA and Orange County, that statistically is untrue. Now, you can believe what you want to believe, but statistically, the facts don't support that. In terms of languages being spoken in these respective counties, obviously, English is the most popular by a plurality, spoken in, at home by about 40, 46% of all households in Southern California. But I bet you didn't know this. In L.A. County specifically, Chinese, both Mandarin and Cantonese, is the number three language behind Spanish, obviously, in English. Spoken by about 369,000 people. Followed by Tagalog, 205,000. Then Armenian has overtaken Korean 
as the county's fifth most common language. I would not have thought that. I mean, I know there are different enclaves within the county, but as far as just language being spoken, I hear Korean for any number of reasons far more often, far more often than I hear Armenian. Now, if we go to Orange County, Spanish is the second most um, number two language in Orange County, followed by Vietnamese, then Chinese, then Korean, then Tagalog. But the county's fastest growing language, Orange County's fastest growing language, up 57% since 2018. You got a guess? You have a guess? Spanish? No, no, no. No, Spanish is number oh, two. Oh. But the fastest growing, growing language. language. Yeah. Like, so not top three? It's, it's not oh, even it's not top even five. But it's, oh. Yeah, but it's the fastest growing. In other words, mm-hmm. most likely at this rate... It'll probably be in the top five, maybe by next census. I'm just going to have, just say Armenian. Armenian? No, that's incorrect. Mark Ronner, you want to hazard a guess? Esperanto. No, no, no. I think Twala knows because he knows the story. Um, Stephanie, you want to hazard a guess? Throw out a language there. Uh, Russian? No, that's a good guess, though. That's a good guess. It's just very wrong. Farsi is the fastest growing Um. language in Orange County. I wouldn't have seen that coming. Now, I can't read too much into it, but the numbers are what the numbers are. Poverty, something we've discussed openly and commonly. The current poverty rates for all people, for people of all ages in L.A. County is 13.9%. In Orange County, 9.9%. Um, but in terms of um, the, 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 the rate, it is... It's just about flat. It's relatively consistent to about 10 years ago. So for all the talk of inflation, for all the talk of um, stagnant wages, things of that nature, it has not borne itself out in the overall poverty rates. Just some interesting things. Um, In terms of average commute times, remember, I'm okay with people leaving. And I said the more people that leave, that probably impacts, positively impacts my commute. Well, now there's data to support that. Average commute times fell in Los Angeles County, dropped from 32.2 minutes a day. I wish I had a commute of 32.2 minutes. Back in 2018 to 30.1 minutes today. In Orange County, it dropped from 28.3 minutes to 26.7 minutes. Now, I'm quite sure... Part of that reason is there are more people who are working from home, probably, because the whole idea of working remotely or having multiple jobs and um, those types of things probably positively positively impact commutes. And then when you combine it with the overall decrease in the population, people leaving these counties and ultimately the state, I am okay with that. My commute today only took me, I left the house at... 258. I got here at like four o'clock. So it's about an hour and a half today. One way. Do you think I would appreciate some five or 10 minutes taken off my commute? Yes, absolutely. If there are fewer Mark Ronners on the road trying to flip me the bird, cutting in front of me, driving fast and, and in an unsafe manner, I am okay with that. I only apply the bird where it is merited. Yeah, that's kind of subjective, don't you think? 
Well, when somebody cuts me off and almost gets us both killed, I think that's not. I think that's more objective than subjective. Are you sure you're not cutting anyone else off? No, I'm a very polite driver, but I, uh, I, I just I take wait, it so wait. personally when somebody rat f's me uh, when I'm on the road. <laughs> How can you be a polite driver if you're flipping people the bird? I am a Zen master. I'm quite Chan Kane until somebody messes with me, and then it's like, here, have one of these, buddy. How can you be a polite driver? in the midst of single finger salutes because the single finger is not drawn until it's like it's like the old gunfighter who finally finally after numerous provocations pulls the trunk out from under his bed and straps on the six shooter you know i i don't rush to it i would argue the opposite i would say the polite person sometimes shows more patience and does not escalate by sending the bird from one car to another. I turn the other cheek until I just can't anymore. After one time, someone cuts you off. Well, I, I mean, you know, everybody has their threshold. Let's you and I take a let's you and I take a long car ride around L.A. some some rush hour and see how both of us do. Okay, I'll, I'll me, do that with you. No, I will cuss, but I don't cuss at the person. I will like throw my hands up at like two hands, like what in the f are you doing? <laughs> That's like the universal sign. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, I do that. But I'm not trying to antagonize, instigate, and escalate. It's like it's like the John McEnroe, both hands in the air. Right. You can't be serious. Right, and that's as far as I'm going to take it. I'm not going to eye that person down. I try not to. Well, it's not like I'm making contact with, with a dog who's going to go for my throat. I don't want to make eye contact. But I, I would like to make finger-to-eye contact. Okay, so you're just going to drive by them and not look at them, and you're going to throw the bird out to the right. Like, sir, here's a preview of the karma that you have just built for yourself. That's how, all. Okay, let me just ask this. In yeah. a given week, how many times do you think you might throw the bird at someone? I don't know. i got to carry around one of those golf clickers because it's not a small number. <laughs> I don't think I have done that in many years. Uh, when I am in the car with the long-suffering one, she just goes ballistic when I do that because she's afraid mm -hmm. I'm going to get us both ventilated, quite, and uh, I, I don't want to do that. Quite possibly. Yeah. I, I, I say that seriously, quite possibly, because it only takes one idiot. And, I'm, and it's not you. It's just the other person because you don't know how dumb that person is going to be. No, it's not me, and I don't want people blaming the victim, which is me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> did, did you have a good time with Sandy last week? I was going say... <laughs> Mark Ronner's back. It's later with Mo <laughs> Kelly. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. But we are going to talk about some new California laws which are going to take effect in 2024. There are a bunch of them, but we have a few of them for you next. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly on demand from KFI AM640. KFI AM640. This later with Mo Kelly live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. There are a bunch of new California laws. We can't even wait until the end of December. We're going to have to give these to you like maybe five or six at a time. There are so many new laws. And before I get into this, I want to take this moment to highlight something I said before. As much as people will be discussing who's going to be our next president, and that's going to suck up all the air in the room. You're going to hear the conversation about the debates. You're going to hear the conversations about the cases, the 91 felony counts against former President Trump. You're going to hear about the age of Joe Biden. You're going to hear about all these things ad infinitum every single day. But let me remind you that your day-to-day -day life is going to be far more impacted 
by your state and local laws, your state and local politicians. And this will be another example of how I think we should be far more focused on what's happening locally in a in a political and an elected leader sense as opposed to nationally. Yes, federal government, that has a role. Obviously, it's very important. But as far as directly impacting you and your family, it's not the federal government. I'll give you a perfect example. Just going to run down some of the new laws in California, and a lot of them will either directly impact you or someone in your family or someone in your circle. Let's start in the workplace. California uh, minimum wage will increase to fifteen fifty an hour on January 1. So if there's someone that you know is working minimum wage or you own a business and you have employees which may be making around minimum wage, that is going to directly impact you and your business starting January 1. And uh, speaking of uh, minimum wages, AB 1228 goes in effect which increases the minimum wage for fast food workers. We've talked about that a lot. Fast food workers will be making $20 an hour starting in April, not January, but in April. And it also establishes a fast food council that will operate for five years and determine future wage increases and working conditions. Now tell me that won't impact you. There's also SB 525, which raises the minimum wage of healthcare workers to $23 an hour, by June of 2024, I'm quite sure by now those first three laws that I've told you about has probably impacted you directly on some level. It might be the child in your household. It might be one of your employees. But or because of the increase in minimum wages, where you go with respect to these businesses, there's a, a likelihood that their prices will be increased. So these are things which you are going to feel on some level more so than anything that's going on in Washington, D.C. right now. Um, AB 783 requires businesses to put signage on single-user restrooms that indicates the toilet facility is available to all genders. There's AB 1136. And Tawala, this is one. I didn't know this. This trips me out. It's weird, but it trips me out. AB 1136 sets up a retirement fund for mixed martial arts fighters in California. Yep. Any MMA fighters who have fought in at least 39 rounds in the state will be eligible for retirement benefits starting at the age of 50. It's weird to me because I I need to investigate it more. I want to know who is paying into the retirement. It's one thing to have a quote-unquote retirement. But if there's no union, I don't I don't know how the retirement is funded. I wonder if it's similar to the boxer pension that was established and now is retroactive for boxers where it is pulling from the state purse and from boxing funds made available now to boxers who fought. I believe I can't remember how many years back and now going forward. But there is now a a whole movement to protect fighters who don't necessarily have any retirement. Like if you're not opening up a gym yeah. or training afterwards, you're you're you don't have anything to fall back on if you're a fighter. Well, not even that. We can go into the whole healthcare discussion. If you're an MMA fighter, and obviously it's going to be much more important to you as you age. The money aside, pension aside, I'm thinking about healthcare, just long-term care. But that's something that I would really want to take a closer look at, and we will over the course of the year. 
There's AB 2188, which makes it illegal for an employer to discriminate or penalize an employee based on the person's use of cannabis off the job and away from the workplace. And I have kind of an issue with this, and I'll tell you in just a second. A similar law, SB 700, makes it illegal for an employer to ask a job applicant if they've used cannabis. Let me give you this scenario, and I don't know how it's going to play out. Let's go back to fast food, for example. And I own a a McDonald's franchise, and I have an employee who comes to work. Mind you, I have a dress code, as all McDonald's do. And he or she smells like marijuana. What am I supposed to do when obviously that impacts that person's um, influence on customers? In the way that someone may not be bathing properly, in the way that someone may not be presentable in a workplace environment. This law says I can't ask and I cannot in, in any way reprimand or penalize an employee for marijuana use from where I sit could be in direct contradiction with that person who's doing the job or impacts their interfacing with the general public. And I make no bones about it. I'm I'm anti-marijuana. That's that's not new. But in terms of the analysis of this law, I I, I wonder how that negatively impacts the business. Come on, we've all been around someone where someone just walked past you on the street and you can tell they've been smoking all day, all night, waking and baking until the sun goes down. And assuming that person walks into their place of employment, then I wonder if it is such that, and I'm not just talking about someone who uses personally and privately. I'm talking about something that is, it's um, ever-present, and you can tell that it, it also it becomes an issue in the workplace, whether they're actually using or not. That's something that I would want to be concerned about. That's something that I would have questions and issues about. Don't tell me I can't uh, fire this fool who's thinking up the place. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. AB 12, you don't have to save up two months rent to move into an apartment anymore. The new law limits the amount landlords can charge for a security deposit to just one month. Oh, yeah. I wish they would have had that 20 years ago when I was renting. Shoot, that would have been really helpful. AB 436 prohibits cities and counties from adopting laws that ban cruising on city streets or the driving of vehicles that have been modified to be a certain height. I agree with that because those were targeting laws. It was only impacting certain communities, um, certain individuals, and there was no point for it. Um, Here's the big one before we go to break. AB 645, and it's now state law, allows six cities, Glendale, Long Beach, LA, Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose to install speed cameras. They're going to ticket your ass, and you won't even know it. Worse than red light cameras as you go through an intersection. You just get a ticket in the mail. The law requires cities to put up signage warning drivers they could get a ticket if they don't slow down before approaching the speed camera. We'll see how visible the signs are, and we'll see how visible the cameras are. But get ready. They're coming in just weeks. You're listening to Later with Mo Kelly on Demand from KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 is Later with Mo Kelly live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And just for a point of reference, full disclosure, I've been to a lot of strip clubs in my life. A lot. 
most of the time, it was actually work-related. I'm being serious. Some of the time, it was not work-related. But many times, it was work-related, working in the music business. So I know a little something about strip clubs, at least back in the day. I haven't been in one in many years. But when I did go to strip clubs, I went to a lot of them. I kind of know how it works, whatever that's worth. The nation's only unionized strippers are staging an unfair labor practice strike. It started last Thursday. It went through the weekend. I don't know if they're going to repeat it this weekend, but you know it's got to be a problem when strippers are refusing to take off their clothes. Something really wrong in America. Dancers at the Star Garden Topless Dive Bar, we've talked about them, in North Hollywood, not too far from here, took to the streets protesting violations of federal labor laws by the club owner. And they were joined by dozens of supporters from their union, the Actors' Equity Association. You may remember, we talked about it just a few months ago, the dancers uh, became the first unionized strippers. Now, this is what, this, this is the serious aspect of it. The conditions of most strip clubs are subpar. Most of the dancers historically were working for tips. They're not working for actual wages. And, and of those tips that they get, they... Um, it was kind of understood. They're supposed to share the tips with the owner, the doorman, maybe some of the bouncers. And so they're going home with a fraction of the money that they earned in actual dances. And that includes the lap dances when the people around them really aren't doing anything to earn that money. And so they had enough of that. And also they were unprotected. Most dancers, they may get a walk to their car by a bouncer, but for the most part, they are not protected. It can be a very dangerous environment. But here's the thing, to be very serious. When you unionize a single location, I'm not so sure you actually have any leverage because that you can always strike, but it doesn't preclude the establishment from hiring someone else. You know, if if they can have a grocery strike and the grocery stores can hire scabs, same is true with the strip club. They could well, that's, that's wrong. Mm. Scab strippers? Mm. Yeah, that sounded wrong. Ew. I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. They can, they can have alternate strippers. Yes, alternates who can come in. No, I mean, dang, I didn't mean to say that. Um, who can work in their stead. That's what I meant. That's the phrase I meant to use. Replacement poll workers. Yes, replacement poll workers. That's a very good phrase. The replacement poll workers can, come, can arrive, can work at the establishment, and the the unionized strippers are left out in the cold. Literally, they it doesn't preclude the establishment from replacing them. So I wonder about the wisdom of a one-location unionization. Think of it another way. Let's say you like to eat a jack-in-the-box, and all the employees at the jack-in-the-box in whatever city that you are decide to unionize. Well, do you think that they can't replace those employees and find someone else? Of course they can. And I think that's going to be the difficulty here in this instance because there's nothing stopping the uh, the Star Garden topless dive bar in North Hollywood from just finding other dancers. No, don't go anywhere to all because you're you're trying to take up in support of the strippers, trying to give all these reasons why it was good for them to unionize and, and how they need to get their benefits. They're supposed to get a pension. They're supposed to get, you know, health care and all Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Mo, as yes. someone like me who used to peruse you and, and work in various strip clubs yes, in, in a capacity, we attended in a work capacity. Yes. You know full 
and hell well how hard these young ladies worked and why it was necessary for them to unionize to get a a, a fair wage health care to get better security and the right to turn down specific customers. They absolutely needed to unionize. They're some of the hardest working individuals ever to put up with greasy, filthy, nasty individuals all day long. You sometimes you look at your Twitter and you see the responses that you get to some stuff. You know what the strippers go through. I completely agree with you in terms of the poor working conditions. I'm saying that the unionization probably is not going to address that if ultimately because the 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 place is going to say okay we'll find someone else to literally shake their ass instead of you ah they are not beholden it's not like they can't be fired here's the issue though and the issue with what you're saying is you're not taking into account how these young ladies have inspired strippers across southern california to also unionize Strippers across the country will unionize because of these brave young ladies getting off the pole. Are you being serious? I'm being very, I'm being okay. deadly serious. I have a question. Yes, and sir. Mark, and you know something about masks. You may me, know this. Keep me out of this. No, 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 please. no. You may know something. I, I, I want your expertise. And I was musing during the break. I wonder how strip clubs have changed since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. Because you, you, some people are skittish about physical contact, especially when they're touching person to person to person to person to person person each and every night. And I wondered whether they're just masking up and also masking down. Motorboat rules have definitely changed. They have changed. What are you saying, Mark? I don't know. I said to keep me out of this. <laughs> there is no more <laughs> happening in the strip club. No. But I do believe that there are some places that are requiring uh, men to wash their hands first and to sanitize their hands before coming in and they do require masks in certain places topless like or not. The sh- like the champagne room well mo as yeah. uh, a self-admitted strip club expert i'm a thonographer can't yes. you can't you confirm that really a strip club is the last place where anybody wants to be touching anything or anyone anyway pre-covid or otherwise no, I, no, I cannot i cannot yeah, no, no i no, can't Mark, say that no, look no, not true no don't you, I mean, wouldn't you want to wear a full beekeeper suit in there under normal no, circumstances? No. No. no, Mark, no. Have I, am I off base here? You're, you're, off base. Here's you're the thing. Off base. Whenever I went to a strip club, I never bought into the fantasy. I never believed that, oh my goodness, this beautiful, physically beautiful woman actually had any interest in me, wanted to sit down and talk to me, wanted to learn something about me. It was just foreplay air quotes to get me to the champagne room for the $40 lap dance or whatever it cost back then. Mm-hmm. That's all. I never bought into it, but I'm not going to lie and say that I didn't get my money's worth. That's a brave admission. All I'm saying is I only talk about stuff I know. I know what goes on in a strip club. And many, and actually, let me be serious, uh, Tuala, a lot of the women who do work as strippers can't speak for men. But the women who work as strippers also do private parties. They're independent contractors, and they do things outside the strip club. Whether they go on strike at the club doesn't really make any difference. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's almost like... You know, they may work at the taxi company, but they also Uber on the side, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that is true. That is very true.
with Mo Kelly live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We'll help you figure it out. It's kind of what we do. KFI. And KOST HD2. Los Angeles. Orange County. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app.